it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the WA GOP Report. My guest today is Jesse Jensen. Uh, Jesse, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me on, Mr. Chairman. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's always good to talk with you. So, Jesse, can you just start by, uh, for anybody that might not know, just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I am a uh, former congressional candidate and current former uh, current congressional candidate. Ran in the eighth congressional district in 2020. We got 48.2 percent of the vote, uh, despite being outraised five to one. I'll spend six to one, and we're back here in 2022 as uh, the the leading candidate in amount of money raised. Uh, we're proud to have the endorsements of uh, Attorney General Rob McKenna, Pierce County Executive Bruce Danmeyer, multiple sheriffs, local officials here. Uh, the list goes on. But as far as who am I, I'm a four-tour U.S. Army Special Operations Combat Vet. I grew up in rural America, Caleb. I'm sure you'll, you you remember this stump speech, so you'll have to forgive me for repeating it to All you. Right. Uh, but, you know, son of a pastor. I uh, grew up in a small town. You know, I didn't know that cans came undented until I was about 15 years old. Um, went to the American Legion Boys State and ended up going to Boys Nation program uh, and met a congressman there. Ended up working for him. I was impressed by his servant leadership uh, abilities. And uh, he actually ran for Senate and lost. And then he ran two years later against a guy named Tom Daschle, the sitting Senate majority leader at the time. And the reason he won was because I wore a chicken suit in front of the Tim Russert Meet the Press debate. Uh, you can tell Senator Thune that the next time you see him, Caleb. Uh, and ended up working for him as his driver. And I was uh, driving him to a constituent meeting at Walter Reed Medical Institute in 2007. And there we met a young man who had stepped on an IED and uh, tragically lost uh his leg and was catastrophically burned. And he looked Senator Thune in the eye and said, sir, the only thing I want to do is go back to Iraq and be with my guys. And that was uh, a pivotal moment for me. Um, I had almost enlisted after 9-11. I'd almost gone to a military service academy, but didn't. Uh, after that interaction, it was about three months later, I enlisted in Columbia, South Carolina. I went to the same military installation my grandfather deployed to World War II from. And uh, became a, a army specialist. Ended up going on, uh, get, becoming an officer. Uh, was airborne uh, and ranger qualified. Went to the 173rd. Did a full combat tour to Afghanistan. Came back. Uh, tried out for special operations command. And I always make the the same joke. So you're contractually obligated to laugh here, Caleb. That I ran on my leg uh, on a stress fracture in selection until I broke it. Uh, so I always joke that I'm a strong ranger, not a smart ranger. Uh, but ended up getting selected. Uh, it's the same group as, as Delta Force and SEAL Team 6. Um, I always have to explain who, who Ranger Regiment is. Everybody knows who Delta Force is because they have Chuck Norris. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a little known fact, but when you graduate buds in SEAL Team 6, you actually get a publicist to help you write a book. Uh, so everybody knows who the SEAL teams are. But I was in Ranger Regiment. Uh, that same group did uh, over 75 missions of national significance, uh, night raids across three combat tours with them. Uh, came back, uh, got out in 2014, met my beautiful wife, uh, who kept me here in the, the greater uh, Washington State area, returned after getting my MBA at Columbia, uh, worked for a couple of different tech companies, was in a great trajectory, a great uh, career path. But sadly, in 2018, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, sadly, tragically, um, decided to take his own life, a military vet. And that was another call to service moment for me. Uh, that's when I decided that it was time for me to, to stand up and be counted and do something about the terrible situation that we have for vets in this country. And I ran, as I said, almost one last time. 
the, the reason I jumped into this race again uh, in 2022 is because, you know, I just saw this continued failure of leadership. Uh, and with the President Biden administration, I actually did something about it. Uh, I put my campaign on pause and co-founded a, a group called Task Force Argo. And we actually rescued 2,633 uh, Afghans out of that country, including 61 American citizens, uh, despite the failure of the administration who you know, was really doing nothing. So at the end of the day, I think that we need fighters. I think we need servant leadership in D.C. And we need somebody that's going to stand up to fight this out of control inflation uh, brought to us by uh, Kim Schreier's, you know, runaway spending. We need to fight this this crime. We need to fight the defund the police movement. Something that uh, Kim Schreier, you know, emphatically embraced. Uh, and we need to, you know, bring, uh, you know, more sanity uh, to the other Washington. So that's that's who I am. That's why I'm running. And again, appreciate the opportunity uh, to speak on your podcast today. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you. And I've I've had the pleasure of getting to know Jesse uh, pretty well over the last couple of years. And and seeing you uh, work really hard on the campaign trail. And I guess uh, as a, as a father myself, kind of got to ask that, uh, like, why, why are you doing this again? Uh, because I saw what you did in 2020. I saw all the work I see. And obviously I lived that the time away from kids, the time on the road, the time at events uh, it's a real investment. And so for, for you with three young kids and with Mindy, uh, what, what led into that decision to say, let's, let's put our lives on hold again and, uh, and keep going? Yeah, well, first, um, you know, as the father of five, Caleb, I'm constantly trying to, to keep up with you. So, uh, you know, I appreciate everything that you do. Uh, crisscrossing the state for for the party and for sanity here. But yeah, I mean, my kids grew up in this campaign. My my third was born um, during the last campaign. I took a one day paternity leave. <laughs> I took a break from the campaign. Uh, my uh, second born, um, her first steps were captured in my campaign launch video. Um, so, you know, this is something that I've been you know doing for a very long time. And, you know, the the impetus that really got me um, into this race was I had a friend, uh, uh, African-American police officer in the Tequila SWAT, uh, department. So the, the Valley, uh, special weapons and tactics unit who was reacting to the scene of a crime. He was going to rescue a two-year-old that had been taken hostage by his father. And he was racing to the scene, uh, on I-5 and he hit a patch of snow and ice and he rolled his uh, squad car. He got out of this car and was literally banging on the back windshield with his hand, trying to break the window to get his weapon out of the car so that he could still respond uh, to this hostage situation. And somebody pulled up next to his squad car and he thought, oh, great, a good Samaritan, somebody here to help me. The guy got out, uh, took a selfie and flipped him the bird and said, F, F the police and drove off. And that's where we are today. Um, and it's, you know, it, you, you can't sit silently by. Uh, I think that we're at an existential moment. This is potentially the end of Pax Americana. I mean, when you have the president of the United States saying that a minor incursion into a foreign country would be met with a more measured response, of course, you're going to have an authoritarian invade a country like Ukraine. When you have a disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, when you check your watch, when 13 Marines come home under a flag because of a decision that you made, Mr. President, he decided to pull uh, troops out on an artificial timeline. The General Miley said, you have 2,500 soldiers. We can keep Bagram Airfield. I've been to Bagram Airfield several times, Kelby. A mile of standoff. You can see the enemy coming from literally a mile away. 
President Biden's decision forced the military to go to Hamid Karzai International Airport, which is right up against uh, in hugely populated areas. And that's how a suicide vest was able to kill those 13 Marines. So again, a decision made by this administration, uh, a decision made by Kim Schreier not to condemn the defund the police movement led to the situation that my friend uh, saw on the ground, this this hatred for, for an African-American police officer. Uh, we are at a crucial moment in our history. And I want my three kids to grow up in the same country that I grew up in that was brought to me by the policies of Ronald Reagan and not of Joe Biden, this failed administration. So, you know, it's, it's a question. It's not a question for me of why should I run? It's, you know, why wouldn't I run? This is such an important moment in history and we cannot afford another two years of Kim Schreier uh, or another, you know, two years of an unchecked Biden administration. Uh, so one of the, I think the top issues that, that I'm hearing a lot about, and you've already hit on a little bit is, is inflation, um, 8.5% inflation, the costs are just going up and up and up. And that's really tough on hardworking families in the eighth congressional district. What can you as a member of Congress really do about inflation? Yeah, well, first, uh, you know, I think Kim Schreier said it best when she admitted that the Democratic spending policies that she voted for led to inflation in a town hall. Uh, the National Party has put out a great advertisement uh, that outlines exactly her words that, that led us to that. And this is should not have come as a surprise. The Chicago Fed, the San Francisco Fed put out white papers, and I've read them stating specifically that inflation would rise as a result of the American Rescue Plan, or the ARP, that Kim Schreier so wholeheartedly voted for. Uh, the Democratic, you know, spend drunken spending spree that they've gone on has led us to this record high inflation. Neither of us, uh, Caleb, were alive the last time inflation was this high, you know, and, and Kim Schreier said it best in her own words that this is the result of the democratic spending policies. And yet she's still trying to gaslight us by saying, if you blame the rising gas prices on anything other than Vladimir Putin, you're quote un-American, uh, ignoring the fact that the national average rose a dollar from the day that Joseph Biden was inaugurated until the day that Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine. So again, the facts speak louder than the democratic misinformation. So what can we do to stop runaway inflation is stop the, the crazy monetary policy uh, that we have, or excuse me, uh, uh, you know, spending policies that we have instituted. It's unfortunately going to be up to the Fed uh, to raise interest rates, which are going to further push out the American dream of home ownership for the vast majority of Americans with you know, mortgage interest rates topping 5% for the first time in over a decade. Uh, I was talking to a, a plumber in our Pierce County kickoff event in Bonnie Lake who shared that it costs him now $800 a month to fuel his rig to drive to Seattle where the jobs are. He has to live in Pierce County because he can't afford anything in King County. And now he can barely afford to make the drive. So this is hurting uh, the very people that, you know, the Biden administration said that they were going to go out and help uh, the lower income. And it's because of failed monetary or spending policies that the Democrats are pushing. And again, that's that's why we need this check. That's why we need to get some sanity back uh, to the U.S. House of Representatives. Yeah, um, I guess one of the other questions uh, is, assuming we win, uh, we get the eight, obviously we need five, five seats. We retire Nancy Pelosi, Republicans win the majority in the House, hopefully win the majority in the Senate. 
what what can we realistically do uh, for the next two years? Because obviously Biden will still be in the White House. And so there's going to be a limit to what conservatives, a little limit to what Republicans can do. But what do you think the agenda should be that we can actually affect change with? So I was, I was talking to, to Ryan Zinke, a guy I'm proud to have the endorsement of, uh, Donald Trump's former interior secretary. And he said, you know, hey, Jesse, I'm going to get my seniority back and I'm going to be on ways and means. And it's going to be my job to go line by line and reduce the State Department spending down to zero dollars until they answer our questions on why the withdrawal from Afghanistan was so disastrously struck. There, that is an example, a small example of how a Republican controlled House of Representatives can hold accountable this administration. They have just swept so much underneath the rug. I mean, look at the you know liberal mainstream media who put out this this mass uh, you know uh, gaslighting operation, saying that the Hunter Biden laptop was a fake. It was Russian disinformation. Turns out it was true. It was like a byline on page 37 of the New York Times and Washington Post barely mentioned that, yes, in fact, every inflammatory detail that was on that laptop is, in fact, true. Right. And it's not Russian disinformation. So the the power of the subpoena, the power of the investigation is going to be crucial for us to hold this administration responsible. The other thing that the House of Representatives is responsible for is all spending bills originate in the House. So we can pass these bills, we can pass budgets, we can pass these spending measures to secure our border, to fund our police, to make sure that we have a good sound election system, uh, to make sure that we're doing all these things that we're fighting inflation uh, and force Joe Biden to, to veto it, right? And put him on record. Uh, but at the same time, I think that there's going to be areas where, you know, hopefully the the sanity of you know this this Biden administration who promised uh, to work with the right and to you know pass common sense things can actually get accomplished. But we're, we're you know we need to take back control of the House before we can do that uh, because right now we have one party rule in in Washington D.C. and you got to ask yourself: Are you better off uh, than you were two years ago under President Trump? And <laughs> if you say yes, uh, call me uh, because I want to know what you're doing because the rest of the country is just disastrously worse off than they were two years ago. Yeah, uh, that's great. I think the last one is is really, um, I think you've outlined a great agenda for what we can do, but in order to do it, we got to win. Um, so what uh, what do you think needs to happen over the next six months for, for Republicans and for particularly you uh, to win this seat and flip the eighth? Yeah, so for Republicans, I mean, I think it's if, if you're listening to this podcast, you need to get involved. You need to pick a candidate. You need to volunteer. If you don't know who to vote for or who to support, volunteer for the state party. Uh, there's ways that, you know, we can get you guys door to door. We can make phone calls. We need to inform people and let them know that, the you know, this, the election system here in Washington state is does have integrity. Uh, there's a lot of great work that's going on right now with, uh, uh, you know, uh, Washington Voter Accountability uh, Center, where they're making sure to kind of clean up voter rolls and make sure that, you know, that there is uh, faith in this election. Uh, as far as, you know, what what do I need to do to win this election? First and foremost, need to get out and, you know, seek the endorsement of every single person that's listening to this uh, podcast. I would humbly ask for the vote for everyone that's listening. Uh, the other thing is, you know, I got to keep raising the money. Uh, I've raised more than $200,000 more than the next closest uh, candidate in this election. We almost won last time with huge headwinds. This time we've got, uh, you know, we've seen polling that has Kim Schreier sit at 35%. Uh, so we're feeling very good uh, about taking back control of this seat. 
and whoever wins the primary is going to be very well uh, positioned. Again, I think that there's a, a formula for winning uh, in 2020 nationally. If you're a Republican and you ran, you're either a woman, a person of color, or you were a combat vet. That was the formula for winning elections nationally in 2020. And I think that in the year of runaway inflation, in the year of ground war in Europe for the first time uh, since World War II, uh, I, as a four-tour U.S. Army Special Operations combat vet who recently rescued 2,600 people out of Afghanistan, including 61 American citizens, and have my MBA from Columbia and a long career in the private sector, is exactly the kind of person that we need to send to D.C., to clean things up. So again, I would humbly ask for the vote of everyone listening. And uh, if people want to find out more information about you, where can they go? Ah, yeah. Jesse Jensen for Congress.com. That's J-E-S-S-E-J-E-N-S-E-N, the number for Congress.com. Again, Jesse Jensen for Congress.com. Perfect. Jesse Jensen, thank you so much for joining us today. Appreciate you running. Uh, appreciate, thank you for your service to our country uh, and uh, wish you the best. Thank you, Caleb. I appreciate it. Keep up the great work. <laughs>